The views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by American Football Ireland. As always, guys, this show is just a bit of crack. So please, no giving out. I forgot about that part. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast, where we can see the insights and stories of all things American football here in Ireland. We're your hosts, Kelly Boyle, and I'm Robbie Caldwell. Let's get down to it. Right, let's get down to it. Hello, hello, hello. We're here. It's March. This is our March episode. We seem to only be doing these now monthly. Um, but sure, that's okay. I think that's fine. I'm gonna blame you for that, Kelly. If uh, you hadn't left one hand, we could have easily done more episodes. Give the give the uh, the loyal listeners what they wanted, and that's an episode a day. But you know, you had to go and follow your dreams of being a scientist in Singapore, and this is what happens. So it's true, it's true, and you know what? It's just working out so badly for me over here. Things are so so tough between you know tropical weather and the great transport that penthouse apartment <laughs> penthouse apartment like Over you know in Singapore. i know and like to think when i could be in monaghan yeah you could be just here living on the edge of europe preparing for world war three living living the good life <laughs> i know but i will say i do miss the american football that's the only thing it's killing me now i'm seeing all the emails coming in with all the fixtures upcoming and uh, loads of announcements, actually, that we should cover on the show today. Um, all of that. And I admittedly, I do miss it. I do. That's good. No, yeah, like you said, we have an action-packed sort of episode here for today. Uh, the first, I think, main talking point, though, is how hopefully my audio has improved today as opposed to the last episode, after which Kelly near threatened to have me kicked off the show. Yeah. I actually don't think I nearly threatened. I think I, I full on threatened that if you did not sorry <laughs> that audio, you were getting kicked off. Just like, no, <laughs> that, get, that cannot happen. So well done, Rob. Uh, much, much more impressed with you, as I hope that everyone else will be. Um, yeah, so very good. It's just the way it is, Kelly. I get better with time. It's like a fine wine. <laughs> so yeah, here, if you want to just kick us off, where you want to take it first? Yeah, well, I suppose... Um, the first thing that I was going to cover is very simple with the appointment of GP and Joe Kinahan into your old department, the flag football department. So I think that one of the things that became apparent to us on the board as you left the flag football directorship is that it really isn't a one person job anymore. It's a huge, huge operation. And we have big plans. Nothing that I can announce at the moment. Um, there will be official press releases coming soon. So everybody, please stay tuned for what's going to happen in the flag department uh, in the coming years. Um, but yeah, so that became apparent. So it's like that. We we have um, GP, uh, uh, Guillaume Polanski. I hope I didn't like destroy that second name and uh joe kinahan they're appointed into the flag um department with gp as the flag football director and joe kinahan as the uh assistant to the director so that is great i mean the two of them are kind of well known across american football ireland joe kinahan just seems to be doing everything 
everything. I mean, he's uh, the AFI web and IT admin. He's also going to be joining us on our podcast. I hope to get an interview with him that I can include into this episode. Uh, and now he is assistant to the director of flag football. So great stuff. And then GP as well, well known as a previous director of flag football, also was the head coach of the Wolfhounds and now back into his role as a flag director. So delighted to have him. Delighted and feeling very confident for the... No, I'm not going to say it was a coup, Kelly, but it has all the hallmarks of a coup. You know, <laughs> what the, are former the, flag, the former flag director, uh, you know, myself, uh, took over from the new flag director, who was the former flag director. And now the assistant flag director also sat on the committee of the former flag director, me. So, you know what? I'm, all I'm saying is GP should possibly look out. I, I don't think the support from, from Joe could, will last the full way. I think there could be another coup within the next two to three years and Mr. Kennehan will uh, seize the reins. Seize the reins. Well, I tell you what, you very nearly got replaced on this show by a certain Joe Kennehan. <laughs> Exactly. I think that just furthermore highlights what is going on here. It's like, I think Joe is just trying to take over my life and I think he just wants to become me. Like, not yeah. a bad thing. It's not a bad life that I have. Um, you know, possibly he sees it as his way out of Mullingar. Um, yeah, so, you know, more power to him. But you know, <laughs> if he wants well, to take I... the whole nine yards, he's going to have to truck for it. Well, I'll certainly be rooting for Joe on that one. <laughs> I joke, I joke, I joke. But I think we need to also carry on from the last episode where we were selecting our winners and losers of COVID, but we didn't get to the Premier One division, which is obviously the spiciest division. I love the way you described one of the divisions in the last episode as spicy. I just thought that was really good. Um, so yeah, that are winners and losers from COVID. And then also... After this time, really exciting because we have our schedule has been announced and we have games upcoming. So we'll do a few wee predictions there, I think. Matches are happening. Yeah, at last, at last. So looking through, like, it's a pretty stacked league this year. I think every year the, uh, the SBC seems to get better and better. Like, for the most part, I think we can sort of nearly justify the majority of those teams being in the SBC. Yep or Premier One, as it's possibly called. I don't know if someone actually knows what the current league <laughs> titles of each division are. Send it to me on a list or post it or something so I can remember. But while I think all these teams deserve to be in it, I think we can see a bit of a, a gap, sort of what we might even call like nearly SBC Group A, SBC Group B, and then maybe SBC Group, you know, Stragglers. Group strike, right. Talk about that. Who for you are the stragglers? No, 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 no. Like I think uh I think we'll we'll work our way there. I think let's let's start and focus on the positives. So so coming yeah. out of the coming out of the past two years of like global pandemic and turmoil into twenty twenty two, another year of you know global turmoil. Um but there's a constant, there is always a constant. And that constant is the Belfast Trojans. Is the Belfast Trojans, really? So are you putting the Belfast Trojans as a winner or a loser from the COVID break? 
I'm going to put them as a winner. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So the big T, as we know, much loves the big T up there representing. The Belfast Trojans currently have 83 people. 83 people training. If we're to go to down to sort of the SBC, or not SBC, uh, Division 1, Division 2, Belfast Trojans have enough players to more or less make their own division of players. <laughs> That's so true. That is so true. It's like, like, how can you see anything but success coming from those numbers? And granted, we know on game day, a good 50% of that squad isn't getting playing. If they even have enough junk, uh, jerseys for that amount of players, you know, fair play to them. Um, but like when you have those numbers, you are getting the cream of the crop. Last year, they even had their um, their open tryouts where you basically book to go to train in front of their coaches and you either have the, the T factor or you don't. And so like when you can afford to do that and afford to have that like kind of that pull and that cloud around, you know, around the country. Like I have heard of people traveling from, from Dublin, from Enniskillen, from like all different parts of the the Ulster to sort of North Leinster kind of region heading up to the Trojans to train with them because they know what they're getting involved with. They know mm what to expect they know where they're coming from and they know that by following by following that tea you know there's nothing that should be any kind of an obstacle to them and it's a great developmental for many a player even if you're not even if you're more of a fringe player and you're kind of on on the outskirts of things just even to be training in that winning environment you know winning is a habit like um certain famous coach once said that was me, Kelly. That was me. I was the coach. <laughs> you were the coach. <laughs> I was like trying to think like Vince Lombardi, like who, which quote, like which coach said this. I never, oh, it was you. It was you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It makes but sense. Yeah. It makes sense. But like for, for everything that like they, they've been doing, everything that they do do, I think that the, the, the Belfast Trojans are going to continue to be a powerhouse even post-COVID and in sort of the new emerging world that we're in. Yeah, I agree. And actually, it's it's an interesting one because coming into this podcast, I would have had them down as a losing team from the COVID break simply because, I mean, the off-season prior to 2020 was an exciting time if you were on the Trojans because you had that like migration of the, the Knights O-line over to the Trojans that seemed to have a strong amount of bad blood about it with like certain people um, that came over um and it was kind of gearing up to be like a very competitive season for them to the point where I think I would have comfortably predicted them to win another Shamrock Bowl in 2021 I didn't really see anyone that was going to stand up against them and then obviously there's been nearly a two-year break and a lot of momentum with stuff like that that kind of real strong competitive like vibe could have kind of dissipated out of there but then hearing what you're saying where they've like put a lot of effort into their recruitment and then you also see like on their social media pages stuff like this that they're getting all their sponsors back they have the same seems to be the same level of professionalism and organization that we've come to expect and love from the trojans 
that like, yeah, I think it's one of those that you can really put them up against anything and they're always going to come out as like a winner there. So you've convinced me that actually we're going to put them down as a winner from the COVID season. So uh, yeah, agreed. Then another winner I am going to put in, like, are we he- are we heading for a repeat of sort of the, the last Shamrock Bowl that we had uh, later on this year? Who knows? Quite possible. So South Dublin Panthers, um, an organisation which since they're since coming into the sort of this latest iteration of the football team that they are, um, have just went from strength to strength. Yeah, agreed. And actually, uh, the Trojans and the Panthers are similar in this, in that we they're two teams that we probably would have seen a lot of veterans, you know, retire after 2021. Um from those teams but kind of there I would I am guessing that a lot of veterans are going to be retained into this like 2022 season because nobody wants to end on kind of an off season on a nothing season so certainly from chatting with a few of the Panthers there's a lot of vets that have been playing together for a long time that have good chemistry on that team that um, are saying they're kind of doing their final dance season this year that they've decided that they're they probably would have retired by now but they're going to give it another shot and so when you have that kind of mentality going into a season it's it's a clean time it's like one year you give everything in that year you're not thinking about like oh like I'm going to be playing for the next five years you're thinking like this is my shot so I'm going to give it everything I'm going to lay everything out there um the other thing that I've really liked from the South Dublin Panthers in 2021 is that they've they were already doing this anyway but they've really optimized this where they've moved away from a team and into a club. So we see their youth academy really coming on and we also see their women's team start to gain um, a lot of momentum where let's say they've hired GP as their head coach of the women's team and their social media campaign is like really up and running. And that that is part of their women in sport initiative. Um, and th- I mean, so they, they also won their flag in 2020 yep. that was that when was that that was 2021 technically or 2022 uh what year are we in now 2022 so it would have been last year yeah, 2021 yeah i mean they won they won their division and flag so it's like that they really come from being a team into this kind of well-rounded club and like that they were doing that anyway but that really seems to have ramped up in kind of this this kind of nothing time of COVID. Um, and from them, they're another team that I'm really enjoying the kind of professionalism that they're bringing, similar to the Trojans, where, you know, they had ads out in local newspapers for their youth academy trying to get young lads into the club um, to play. Uh, and I just think like that type, that type of professionalism and organization from a club just, it brings a winning culture with it. So, yeah, I agree. I'm going to put them as a winning team, um, particularly because they've retained their vets from the 2020 bowl. So agreed. Agreed. For me, though, if I had to pick the two, I think, biggest winners from the COVID break, I think the standout winners are the Belfast Knights and the Dublin Rebels for the following reasons so for the knights i mean the knights were due to go down to uh what are you laughing at no i i fully agree like i think like if you can um 
get relegated and then manage to convince uh, the league that no, you shouldn't be relegated. That's that's winning. That is winning. Yeah, I mean, they were due to be in what Division One this year, and they did so well in the off season that um, they're in in the the Premier One division. I mean, like that to me is a huge win. They hugely benefited because you know they had had a very very <laughs> tough season in 2020, um, got relegated, and then they just were preparing, I think, quite well for a Division One uh, season in 2021. Yeah, 2021. And obviously that didn't didn't happen. And they just seem to have organized themselves to a point where they kind of know that they're comfortable to come up to the Premier One division again. And I mean, like, I think that that is fairly convincing. They've they still have such strength in their O line, which is so important, and their D line, even though they lost some key players from that area. Um, I mean, they have Suntan back again, um, who went to the Trojans and then has gone back over to the Knights again, which I mean, he's just a powerhouse um, in the backfield. Um, teams prepare to be hit by him when they're playing. Uh- no, I, I agree. Because like, I, I remember like after they got relegated, the I remember seeing across like was it Twitter, Facebook, like lots of the, the Knights players being like, don't worry, lads. 2022, we'll be back. We'll make this work. We are going to get back. You won't see, like, you'll see us back there in the Premier Division 2022. And lo and behold, 2022 rolls around. Those players were right. That's it. Yeah. I mean, they had a number of friendlies that they organized in 2021. And they won, you know, they won them. They won against the Craig Avon Cowboys twice, which, I mean, you could say, okay, Craig Avon is not at the same level that the Knights are at. Um, but Craig Avon won the uh, Division One final in 2020. So they were, I mean, the top of the division below the Knights and the Knights were beating them. And then Craig Avon Cowboys nearly beat the Trojans in their next game and then did beat them in the game after that. But the Knights had beat the Cowboys convincingly in both games before that. So, I mean, it does go to show that the Knights were doing well in 2021. And so it would be really interesting to see how they do in 2022. So I think I was going to say just to like sort of wrap up the sort of the final sort of top half of the SBC, like what would be the sort of the final team that you'd have in there in that sort of, you know, category A as we were calling it? Um, I'm not I'm not going to say it's like category A. It's just like literally which which teams I felt have done well in the because I don't know to be honest I don't know I find this this particular division I find a difficult one to predict um how it's going to play out over the season I mean maybe by the end of this episode I'd be ready to make a prediction we will see um just as we dissect it but the other team that I have as a huge winner is the Dublin Rebels right and the reason being that 2020 for the Rebels was a dark stain on what was a hugely like winning club prior to that I think that as far as I know that is one of their only losing seasons that even the seasons they didn't make it to the Shamrock Bowl or or whatever uh, they had overall winning seasons but in 2020 they had a losing season so I mean they lost some key figures I think most notably we have to mention Andy Dennehy there because he knew that offense he knew how to run an offense and he was kind of the person who could pick the Rebels out of a losing game 
in the fourth quarter. You know, he was that level of a QB. I think he started to lose, you know, a bit of strength in his pass, and but that didn't really seem to prevent him. A bit like kind of Peyton Manning towards the end of his playing career, where you could see the strength has gone out of his arm, but he just adjusted the offense to account for it. Like you see that type of thing coming from Andy Dennehy. And I mean, like you can, I think he's proven and nobody doubts his um, offensive playbook and his offensive mind. And now he's coaching um, in in the Netherlands. So, I mean, um, they see it there as well. But without him, the Rebels really did struggle. I am a huge fan of Ty Henry. I think that Ty Henry is um, going to be a fantastic QB for the Rebels. Um, but I just don't know that the Rebels would have had it together enough by the time the 2021 season had come around to have a winning season in that year. Whereas yeah. now in 2022, I think they're going to do quite well. I think that they have, they like things have been well gelled. They've had enough time to kind of resolve any outstanding issues that needed resolving on the team. And I think that we're going to see a lot of a lot of good stuff. I think we're going to see the strong Dublin Rebels that we have come to know over the last, like, what, 13, 15 years that we've been in football. Um, so, you know, that that is what, yeah, that's what I'm expecting what to from, expect them. from them. Yeah. So I think we've done enough about the winners. Let's, let's bring it down, bring it down. What teams from the, the Premier Division do you think sort of now we've lost out after the past two years of COVID. Mm. I think there's a quite obvious one for me would be UCD. I was going to say UCD as well. Yeah, why? Just purely based on, on how the sort of the structure is with UCD and how it's a, a college-based club. I think you know we've had this discussion where we think that we felt that for the past two years, where students haven't been in lecture halls, they haven't been on campus. It makes the whole recruiting of players a hell of a lot more difficult. I know they're not sort of confined to just the just the college. I think that they're allowed alumni are able to play for them, but different colleges have different rules governing who's allowed to play for a college club. But when you've not had anyone sort of in your catch, like UCD has a catchment of twenty five thousand people. Mm. You know, that's bigger than the entire county of Leitrim. Yeah. More people are in college in Leitrim. I'm sorry, more people are in college in UCD than are living in Leitrim. So when you have that entire sort of, you know, sort of demographic of people who are able to play football just taken away from you, it's like, where, where do you recruit from? Like, are they hanging around, I don't know, train station at Milltown and down done drum handing out flyers no it's not how they recruit you know they recruit by getting the people that are in the college living on the campus living around the campus and that's where they bring them all in and for not having had that for two years you've got people who have now graduated from the college who are possibly working away from dublin or who are starting their, their careers who like I've had two years of non-contact with a club. It's like maybe the love isn't there. They've forgotten, you know, what it felt like to be a part of the, the team. And like, there's just so many knock-on effects like that you can see how things like this can like really, really snowball and like make it very, very difficult going forward for any of the college teams to sort of, you know, put down good foundations going into this year. 
in the season. Yeah, yeah, I, and I agree. And especially I agree with that, um, even in the context of thinking about 2020, where from UCD, I felt like they had really overcome that kind of old thing of being a team that does so well in the season and then falls apart by playoffs because that final playoff game that they played up in um, Dermore Park against the Trojans, which was an absolute mud bowl. Um, so, I mean, that took the passing game away from Tom, Tom Donovan. Straight, like, it didn't take it. It did. It kind of did take it away. I mean, you can do very little in a mud bowl. It's very tough to pass. There's a few passes that got away and stuff like that, but really their aerial attack traditionally has been so, so strong with him. So it was all running game, which UCD did surprisingly well with. But unfortunately, it didn't go their way that day. It ended up, I think it was 14-0 by the end of that game to the Trojans. But the weather hugely taken away a massive part of their offensive playbook. Whereas on the other side, the Trojans, I mean, their run game is so strong. They can rely on it and they come back to it. They don't rely quite as heavily on the pass game as what UCD do. So it was kind of, I felt that they had good momentum going into 20. 2021 I really felt like 2021 we could be seeing them possibly at a bowl at a bowl appearance if they kept that going and so to come out of such a a strong season where I really felt they were just pipped in that in that playoff particularly because they'd actually beaten the Trojans earlier in the season and so I think they really felt like they they had the Trojans number going into that game to come away with that loss after the Mud Bowl, I think would have been quite heartbreaking for them and they would have been ready for 2021 with strong momentum behind them. And then this break, and as you've said, the change to like student culture and university culture, I think it is going to go against them. The other thing is, is um, the, I mean, two strong players, um, Tom Donovan and Alex Kosmeric, were playing international football last year. So whether they're going to come back or whether they're going to continue playing international football into 2022 will be a huge factor in how successful the the UCD uh, game is going into 2022. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, you know, like hopefully UCD will, will sort of do what they've done for many, many years, but like make it past June. Yeah. Okay, so... That then leaves us with the Cork Admirals. So for me, I can't say whether the Cork Admirals are winners or losers because things are so quiet there as they always are. The one thing I will say is that we have to remember that in 2020, the Cork Admirals not being in a bowl was a surprise to everybody. You know, no one was really thinking that the Panthers were going to go as far as Cork and come away with the win, um, given that they had kind of, just about qualified for the playoffs and that Cork had been so strong in that season. Um, the thing that makes me a bit nervous for Cork is that they haven't really done too much with the break that has been there. The only things that I have seen from them is that they still have, you know, a few players um, on the Wolfhound squad, namely their QB, QB Stephen Hayes, and I mean, they have got Brendan Kelleher there, who is like a defensive genius. So, I mean, Cork traditionally have had the strongest defensive teams uh, in in the AFI. SBC. Yeah, AFI. in the SBC or in AFI for for quite you know quite a, a number of years as well. They're a very very strong defensive team. 
So those two things give me a little bit of hope for Cork. But to be honest, I couldn't call whether they're a winner, whether they're a loser coming out of this um, coming out of this uh, COVID break. It really will be evident, I think, within the first two to three games. Yeah, well, like, you know, to quote the famous poet, uh, the notorious B.I.G., uh, bad boys move in silence and violence. So I pretty much expect Cork, as we've seen, they've been moving in silence. They're going to come out there and they are going to be violent. Do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like they're the Rebel County for a reason. I know here they're the, the admirals, you know, more of a seafaring kind of a guy. But they're going to play some smash mouth football and they are going to be tough. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. Um, I don't think they're playing this weekend. But they are playing next weekend, so we will we will find we will find out then what what is going to be in store for the Cork Admirals in 2022. So then, for me, if we are talking stragglers, I have to do it. For <coughs> me, the stragglers of the Premier One Division are going to be like the West Dublin Rhinos and the Craig Avon Cowboys. Yeah, like you know, I know I know we've taken a bit of heat in the past over sort of references about the uh, the Rhinos, um, you know. What can we say? Rhinos are endangered in the wild. They're going to be endangered this year. And does that mean you know that uh, a rhino? Uh, okay, so rhino. The rhino hashtag that they use is rhino pride, right? And I'm like, I've brought this up with Barry Bolton, where I've been like, rhino pride is a group of li- like lions are a pride, and that is like that is specific to lions. I was like, rhinos are a crash. A group of rhinos is called a crash. Hashtag rhinos crash and burn. <laughs> oh, 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 that's rough. <laughs> oh, no, I think like, you know, like, you know, much love and much respect to, to the rhinos and all they do there in, uh, in Castlenock, you know, in that beautiful college of Castlenock. Is it Castlenock yeah. College? The, the old boys yeah. college. Yeah. Um, home to many famous alumni such as Colin Farrell. I'm going to say. I think we've covered this on an earlier episode. I think we did. Um, But yeah, um, great hashtag. And I possibly think that that's going to be synonymous in how their season is going to finish. Yeah, well, you know, they've done some they've done some good stuff. Like one thing that they did do is they bring it brought in a few of the Quetzals um from the flag football side, some of the um, South Americans into their club and they have been you know that has been a good a good acquisition for them definitely but the only thing i will say is that you know they're playing against um teams like the crusaders who i mean are a good team but are playing a division lower than them and although the rhinos did come away with the win on the day i mean the crusaders were there we're winning that game i think up until the second half and we're looking fairly strong and at no point were the rhinos kind of feeling pretty comfortable in that game. And that for me would be worrying if I were a Rhino coming into 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Like realistically to be in sort of that Premier division, if you're coming up against any of the teams below, you need to be running up a score and sort of making them, just, just making them fold. And it just, it didn't happen. I think the, the Crusaders, you know, more power to them, but, um, Crusaders stayed in that game for far too long. Yeah. And and the Crusaders only coming up to that division in the year before. So yeah, I I would have if I was a rhino, I I would be 
a little bit nervous coming into this coming into this um 2022 season especially knowing that i'm going to be facing knights trojans admirals rebels panthers ucd it's just uh it's just not a great view from a rhino perspective anyway the yeah. other team that I would also consider to be a bit of a straggler is unfortunately the Craig Avon Cowboys. So even though I do feel like they had a great season in 2020, I also think they had a good season in 2021, having won, um, I mean, the flag bowls and been, what was it, the, the Emerald Bowl? Is that the top one in the flag? The Emerald Bowl, yeah, you are correct. Yeah, winning it. I mean, like I do think, and they also, I mean, set up some friendlies, plays, played against the Trojans and the Knights. Um, like we came out of 2021 feeling like the Cowboys had a like a winning season because they beat the Trojans towards the end. Uh, literally, they won one game um, where they beat the Trojans at the, at the end, but it felt like a winning season because you could see their improvement game on game on game. The only thing that I have concerns over is like literally just like player numbers, uh, number of vets on the team, stuff like this like recruitment like I just don't know how healthy that team is sitting right now coming into 2022 and I just don't feel that they have what it takes to win I do feel that they have bowl winning caliber players on their team namely I think you know Peter Lochran is just a fantastic fantastic player and certainly a leader on that team and if anybody can lead a team to like winning to a winning season in the SBC, I think that he can do it. Um, but will they do it? I just don't know. I just don't know if they will. Yeah, I think it's one of those things only time can tell. I can I can see the possibly taking a few wins this year. Um, I kind of set the sort of the target. I know like I, they'll be saying that they'll be that they didn't go all the way. But a four win season from the from the Cowboys, I'd say it's, it's a good, good start to the year for them. Yeah. Well, they're kind of, they're starting off next weekend, 13th of March, with, I'm going to call it a soft enough start because they're playing the Rhinos at first. So if I'm going to make a prediction, this kind of nicely brings us away from the winners, losers of COVID and into next weekend and our predictions um, for the games. If I'm going to predict who's going to win the Rhinos at Cowboys game, I'm probably leaning more towards the Cowboys. Going through the games, actually just quickly to run through all the games that we have coming up because there's quite a few. Yeah. So, got the Cowboys Rhinos. I think, you know, we're both sort of singing from the one hymn sheet that game's up in People's Park it's a hostile environment to go into to try and come away with a win um, yeah like there is only going to be sort of one kind of outlook I think from that game and it is you know the orange is going to win yeah I think so UCD versus the Knights in UCD that's going to be mm. an interesting game I think it's two teams that would possibly could be quite quite balanced of a game uh, it'd be interesting to see who is in, in that UCD team what players have returned uh, I think we kind of already know what we'll be getting from the Knights you know, haven't seen them with a few of the preseason scrimmages um, whereas UCD I think they possibly have had one game I don't know it's not ringing a bell but I'm going to take UCD in that one are you? Okay, well, I'm going to go with the Knights on that one. I just think the Knights have been the more active club and I think that's going to stand to them and I think that they are competitive 
Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go knights on that one, but I won't be surprised to be wrong, and I wouldn't be unhappy to be wrong. But yeah, at this moment, I'm choosing knights. Right, next one: Eagles at Vikings. So Eagles are another team that we haven't really heard much of going down like this year since or going into the uh, the second division. Um, it's a long journey from Wexford to Limerick. I'm going to say. Yeah. Possibly my southern geography wouldn't be that great, but you know, opposite coastlines. Uh, Vikings, from what I've seen, um, they seem to be getting good numbers. Um, they're really putting in a lot of work, putting in a lot of effort. Uh, I hear they've got brand new set of goalposts coming in this year. You know, they're going to actually have their own American football posts, proper full set which is going to be class to even see uh, here in Ireland. Um, great work from everyone there at the Vikings to achieve that. A big shout out to Bono himself. Not the one from U2, but the one from UL. Um, so yeah, honestly, like I think uh, with the Eagles then as well, losing Coach Klatt, uh to the Panthers there in the offseason, uh, I, I really don't know how things are going to work out and develop for them. So I'm going to I'm going to take the, the Vikings are the hard favourite in front of the Vikings. Yeah, I, I am too. And exactly that, that quietness from the Eagles, it makes me a bit uncomfortable, to be totally honest. I think losing Coach K to the Panthers, huge loss for them in the Eagles. You hate to see it because they were a team that was kind of coming on like leaps and bounds very, very quickly in that division in the previous year. Um but yeah, I'm actually going to go so far. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. And uh, I would not be surprised if that particular fixture doesn't even go ahead. I just think the Eagles have been too quiet. It makes me wonder what is really going on there. So yeah, I'm going to predict that, that that fixture may not even happen. Oh, that's, that's a harsh one. Like We know we already have had one club pull out in uh, Division 2 this year. <clears throat> so, like for Tubman Division One to pull out, you know, it's it'd be quite disappointing to not have those sort of fixtures going ahead. Yeah, I know. And then you see at the other side of things, like you said, the Vikings are doing very well. They're very organized. I think it's amazing that a DB2 team is going to have the goosehead goalposts. I mean, they have branded gear. They're after getting their fun in together there. I mean, the Vikings as well, traditionally a team that did not have a good pitch, like one of the worst pitches in what was previously the SBC that they competed in and Maguire's pitch have been out there many a time um, now they have like absolutely fantastic facilities and to see that in DW2 team is amazing they also have a touring team coming over Centre College uh, over from Kentucky playing them who years ago played against the Trojans uh, and then came down as far as Limerick to the Cliffs of Moher where there was unfortunately an accident a player and a coach were injured uh, the player, I think, was treated quickly and was able to get home, whereas coach Carter Connolly uh, had to spend a bit of time in the university hospital in Limerick. And that's where a lot of the Vikings kind of really stepped up and went in to see him and visited him while he was there. All of that, I went in myself. I brought in uh, food from my nanny and, and gave it to him. And he enjoyed that. He sent actually a card to my nanny's house after, which was really nice. Um, so I'm a bit disappointed that I won't be back to Limerick to see this game 
um, but really good relationships between the Vikings and Centre College um, and delighted that the touring team is coming back. I just think that it's so wonderful to see uh, a DB2 team with these goosehead goalposts, with these amazing pitches, playing like American teams that are coming over. <laughs> it's like a lot for a DB2 team. So very impressive with the Vikings and what they're doing um, this year. And yeah, so that Viking Eagles at Vikings game, I'm not sure it's going to happen. And if it does, I'm, I'm back in the Vikings for it. Yeah, no, it's it's looking like that. You know, Vikings just going to do Viking things and hunt down them Eagles. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the next game you have here on our list is the Vipers at Trinity. Yeah, this is a, an interesting little fixture now. You know, I know it's... Uh, it is like I think when you get to these sort of games where there is quite the sort of large geographical uh, distance between them, like that's a four-hour trip minimum for those Vipers players. You know, some of them are coming from even further afield, like Guidor or way up along along the coastline there, and that can easily turn that into a five-hour one-way journey. And you used to travel for five hours, then play a game for three hours, and then travel back for another five hours. Like, that's exhausting. Like, yeah. I've, I've went to Cork and back from Monaghan in a day and played. Like, that was a, that was a 10-hour round trip. And you're, you feel as if you've already played a game by the time you arrive at the game. Mm. it does it makes a huge huge difference the only thing I will say is that I feel like the Vipers are they used to that by now no maybe do you know what maybe they're not because I mean traditionally they play in the north and around the north just cause of the division that they're in which is a fairly north central division prior to this one so yeah maybe that's a new uh, challenge that they'll have to face again the Vipers I feel like for a team that's coming up into the division they're doing it the right way where they've been so active in 20 21 winning the Donaghy Group Cup um, but going up against Trinity two very different teams like I feel like the Vipers are a team of veterans and kind of strong burly linemen and good leadership like Pod obviously we're big fans of Pod on this on this podcast uh, and then going up against Trinity which is a young athletic team and Trinity as well had kind of moved away from the glory days of the likes of like Rob McDowell and their bowl bowl days um, and seemed to be in their healthiest state since those days where they have something like 30 players like coming at training regularly now so you know if you have that amount of players are training it's going to be competitive and they are an athletic team that Ben Dowling they're a QB Ben Dowling is a fantastic QB the only thing that I that I think you know the the Vipers linebackers are strong then because Ben Dowling certainly likes to target the the front middle zone so if the linebackers are kind of ready for that and they're reading them right and all this he can get quite spooked if you put him under pressure it's just going to be interesting to see how they line up you know the vipers certainly have more size trinity more athleticism mm, i don't know i I'd, I'd agree with you on that like i think those are pretty true statements of sort of 
how things are and how like how they've how they've been going. Um, I know there's going to be a few of the uh, the young blood from the Vipers youth team that they start got going coming up. You know, possibly this also involves Pod moving back to the end and then their uh, youth team quarterback coming in. So it'd be nice to actually see them. As from what we've seen, they've been quite a run-heavy team. Like they got some big burly running backs who can burst through a line and get you six, seven yards at a time. If you're getting six, seven yards at a time, you know, you're getting a first down every two plays. It's simple stuff like that. So as you said, like Trinity are maybe a more athletic team. They've always been known to have kind of a, a lighter line on offense and on defense, as opposed to most other teams around the league. So it'd be just really a matter of can the Trinity line use their speed and athleticism and hopefully get a jump on the the bigger sort of a lineman and get into that backfield, you know, right at the snap. If they can do that and sort of contain that run game, they have every opportunity to to win this. And I think that they'll they'll be able to if they can shut down the run of the Vipers, um, it's gonna be a trendy game all day. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still going to put you under pressure because I'm not going to let a wishy-washy answer. Which team are you picking? Oh, that's like I think I think we all know me at this stage. When it comes to to the Ulster teams, I possibly slightly biased in their favour. My heart is telling me Vipers, but my head and wallet are telling me to go with the uh, the Trinity students. Trinity students you know what like I'll accept it I'm I'm gonna go with the Vipers on this one uh purely for the reason that this is contact and it's not flag if it was flag Trinity all day but in contact you need size and the contact is one on the line you know what I mean so if I'm picking Trinity line over or Vipers line I'm I'm gonna go with the Vipers I just think that yeah I'm gonna go with them well we'll see maybe I'll be proven wrong and then going back down, back down a division again, you know, as Bruce Springsteen said, we're going down, down, down. Uh, it is the Giants versus the Razorbacks. Um, now this is, it's probably a game we've already saw this, our last year in the Dunhee Cup. Um, not sure if there would be much change from, from that. Uh, the Division 2, like we said, has also already undergone some restructuring. With the me Bulldogs pulling out, which is quite disappointing, mm. um, and that sort of has led to sort of a couple of rearrangements of fixtures. But uh, yeah, so Giants Razorbacks is where we're at now with this. I know that the Razorbacks actually had a few players playing on the Seeland Seahawks team. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, they did. They had quite quite a few. We had a few across AFI actually as well. I mean, um, I'm probably should give those players a shout out. You know, while we're at it, with so Sean Douglas playing, Aaron Mooney playing, and we had Peter Lockerin playing, and then we had a a good few from the Razorbacks. Sir Mike Ireland included playing with the Razorbacks, and I think he's the link there that brings them in. So I mean, and that is as much as 
the principality of Sealand is, is questionable, you know, in terms of their historical uh, American football abilities or whatever. That was a good team. I mean, they played well against the, the Panthers and like they are playing with Irish national athletes and national athletes across the, the United Kingdom. Uh, and for the Razorback players to be on that team and to be competitive on that team, I think is um, is quite good and stands to show some of the individual players that the Razorbacks have. For me, though, I'm going to go with the Giants. I just haven't been hugely inspired by what the Razorbacks have done thus far in AFI. Like like you said there, uh... They had a few players on the Seahawks team. How that will translate? It's pretty. We actually didn't weren't able to actually get to the game to see any of those players in action. But I, I think this is just going to go the way it once went in previous years. And like I said, in the Dunhee Group Invitational Cup, and you got to go and back the Giants again. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to. So that is the end of 13th of March. I'd also like to do all of March, just in case we don't get another show out uh, before these games. So that brings us to Trojans at UCD, which is the 20th of March. So who you got, Trojans at UCD? I think if this was a, if this was a visual show, you'd be able to see me right now. I'm throwing <laughs> up that tea. big T. Yeah, same. I don't even want to dissect this one. For me, I'm like, I'm, I'm going with the Trojans and, and that's, that's who I'm backing for that, for that fixture. Yeah, no, absolutely. Then, like, it's the, the Rebels, the Dublin Rebels versus the Rebel County, which is Cork Admirals. This is going to be interesting. This, this is going to be spicy. This is going to be one of those spicy games, Kelly, that we talk about yeah. and that we love. Agree. Agree. Are we going to have the American gunslinger Ty Henry throwing touchdowns all day for fun or are the Cork Admirals going to be like we said the, those bad boys that have moved in silence all off season and they're going to be violent yeah I mean it's two strong QBs there you know I think it's going to be battle of the QBs in this game yeah like it's it's going to be an out and out war and I am loving it so who you got oof 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 who do I got? Who do I got? You know, got a lot of love for uh, everyone in Dublin Rebels. You know, since since they took on Nicholas Gogarty there to be their sort of director of club happiness, um, a lot of things have changed. A lot of players seem to be a lot happier. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the Rebels. Oh, oh, the Rebels! I said the Rebels. <laughs> Oh, I meant the uh, the other rebels, the the admirals. <laughs> You're gonna go. With I'm, the ro- I'm rolling with the admirals. You know, getting on those cruise ships or navy ships, whatever they like to sail down there in Cork. Uh, it's gonna be fun, but I'm gonna I'm gonna back the the admirals at home. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the rebels on that one. I'm gonna go with it. I uh, I like them. I like what they're doing in the club. I think that they have momentum. I think they've been very active in the non-active seasons. And I think that that's all gonna to come together for them. We're also seeing, you know, again, good organization from them. They have their game day sponsors together. Like we're kind of seeing that, uh, you know, good kind of, I feel like all of the good stuff from the old Rebel days is coming forward. Some of the, the kind of, uh, 
staunchy outlooks maybe that may have been in that club before kind of being left behind which is great and um yeah i'm going with the, I'm rolling with the rebels for that fixture we're going on to the pirates versus the giants so who do you think would win kelly in a battle between the pirate and the giant <laughs> i'm gonna go with the pirates uh, and the reason being that since the Bulldogs are not participating in this season, many of those players have migrated over to the Pirates. And I just think that those two clubs coming together is going to have the edge over the Giants. So that for me is going to be a Pirate, a Pirate win, hopefully. Pirate beats a Giant. Uh, I can't, I can't... Um... I can't comment on like how either of these things. I know the Pirates had a preseason game there recently enough. Um, I don't think it was too favorable for them. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna roll with the. Uh, I'm gonna roll with the Giants in this one. Um, I like how they've had you know basically a full season beforehand with the Donahue Invitational. They will already be one game deep. <clears throat> they will already be one game deep going into this fixture. Uh, they'll have knocked any sort of you know Christmas rust off. It's it's up there uh, in cold rain. That can be a harsh place to go. You know, even in the best of weather. Uh, so I have to you know march with those giants. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then Mavericks at Jets. Your old. This game's going to be old stronghold. For the first quarter. Do you think? Yeah, like Mavericks are going to, like, those Jets even, aren't even going to get off the ground. <laughs> the Jets are a good outfit. Uh, I'd be talking to a few of the guys from the Jets. You know, I've given much love throughout the years. But come game day, when I put on that red bandana, you know, we're going for blood. That's it. It's Mavericks are rolling in there at the minute with, from what I've seen, enough people on offense. A complete separate team on defense and even enough for their own individual special teams. So at the minute, they are a pretty stacked roster. Um, they talk this as a time to rebuild. I think a lot of the older players got quite annoyed when they saw that uh, they went down to Division 2. And I think that actually stoked a few fires that a few guys didn't realize was still alive in them. And there's been Quite a few vets uh, have jumped in, and you know they they want to they want to see the club succeed. They they firmly do not believe that the club should be in the the bottom division, and there is a lot of guys out there on that Marvels team who are going to be there, and who want to bring along the, the next generation of Maverick, and just keep things going, keep the club going, going in the right direction, going forward, uh, growing. You know, keeping development not just not just as the club, but just you know as part of the entire community of of County Louth. Yep, agreed. Yeah, it is a new team since they went down to TV two, and it seems to have exactly as you said, like stoked a fire in in some of those players. And uh, yeah, I actually do have the the Mavericks for that fixture as well. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> mm, sorry. Yeah, like you know, <clears throat> sorry, sorry, my voice is going there. Um, yeah, no, like just. From from what I've seen, from what I saw in the the Donaghy Cup, from what I've seen of the Mavericks training sessions, um, there there should only be one outcome of this. Uh, much love to the Jets, but you know 
Mavericks are come, going back to Dundalk with that W. Yeah. Okay. So if you're a Jet and you're listening to this, prove them wrong, lads. Prove them wrong. Um, so the 27th of March then sees the Vikings at Trinity and the Crusaders at Vipers. So... I know you have much love for the uh, the Vikings, um, being a former Viking yourself. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm just look, looking forward to the Trinity and the um, the O'Dwyer brothers coming back, seeing them running about doing doing their thing. Uh, from what I've saw, like like I think we've said all we can say really over the past year about Trinity and. Sort of their their receivers, their their DBs, their corners, you know, just their quarterback, like just get the line together. Like they'll be both teams. I think would be happy to air the ball out, which is a good thing. It's the kind of stuff that you know you really like to see. So once once they get going with that, it should be a, a high scoring, interesting game. March twenty seventh, the weather should hopefully be kind of dry, kind of nice. It should allow for sort of a, a good, fun, fast, free-flowing game. Agreed with you. I think you said that very well. And then sort of to wrap up the month of March, we have the Crusaders at the Vipers. So Crusaders, for for all the done, you know, really came along. They, they won the Division 2 whenever they were in that, the last time whenever football football league season happened. Uh, they're going up to the Vipers, up to up to to Derry. Uh, where the Derry pitch, where, where the Derry games been played, I'm not entirely sure if it's going to be the same place as the uh, the Dunhe Group games were played. Mm. But go, going up there, it's it's always uh, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. People of Derry are lovely. I have much love, much time for them. Um, for for what they do and the way they organise, uh, but I would prefer to be standing alongside the people of Derry than standing against them. <laughs> so in this in this instance, I'm going to stand with the people of Derry, and I am I'm going to throw up the V, and it's a Vipers win for me. Yeah, I'm putting that as a Vipers win as well. Um, yeah, like I said, big fan of the Crusaders. Think they're really coming on. Um, you can see it. I know that they're an ambitious club, but so are the Vipers. And I'm, yeah, in pod, in pod I trust. So, yeah, I'm with the Vipers as well. Okay, um, we have another fixture then uh, on the 27th of March, the Knights at Cowboys. So, for me, I'm going to go straight for the Knights on this one. Um I the Knights have the bigger line uh, the Cowboys are small on the line it just makes such a huge difference we see that we saw that you know in 2021 in the friendlies and the Knights beat the Cowboys twice in 2021 and convincingly bet them as well um, so yeah for me I am going straight with the Knights on this one what about you Rob? Yeah no Kelly I have to fully agree with you there um, Knights going to come away from this game with the W and you know like the Rhinos with unfortunate hashtags, it's going to be hashtag bleed orange for the Cowboys. Oh, oh. I think the really, once we get these games wrapped up, that's kind of it. Because you've got your committee meeting now, or your board meeting in like five minutes. Yeah, that's right. I have it. Um, so that's all. So I think that's that's all the fixtures we're going to go through for today. Um, yeah, it's the whole month of March and there are predictions and we'll see how it plays out. And if we've left anyone out and if anyone disagrees with our predictions, you know, 
complaint to Kelly. She loves getting uh, when people slide into her DMs and they are always open. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently so. Yeah, from chunky linemen to skinny wide receivers. If you've got someone you want to talk about, let Kelly know. <laughs> so anyway, from all of us here at the Domestic Game Podcast, minus Joe Kinahan. Uh, well, actually, I did manage to get that interview with Joe Kinahan this week. So uh, now feels like a good time as any just to plug that in to the episode. Okay, so I'm delighted because I said earlier in the show that I hoped to have an interview with Joe Kinnan and the man himself has agreed. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I will say that I haven't been sent the money yet for this podcast or the other one, so I I am waiting for that. I just want to let everybody know that. So, <laughs> you know, Do you know what? We're Anytime, waiting ourselves. Yeah. We are waiting ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> There's ongoing pay disputes, so there is, but sure, we'll say no more about it. Um, yeah. First off, Joe, I wanted to say congratulations on being appointed into the into the flag department as assistant to the flag director. Uh, and I said earlier in the show, but obviously you weren't there for that bit of recording, that you're yeah. kind of one of those people that's doing almost everything across AFI now at this stage, because this is on top of your job in the communications office and uh, on top of your job as the... Uh, AFI web and IT admin. So um, where do you find the time? Um, I have absolutely no idea where I find the time, to be completely honest. Um, I, I think I think I've gotten to the stage where I have as many hats as I can possibly fit in the wardrobe. Like I've got, geez, what are we at now? Minotaurs and Hurricanes committee, Minotaurs player, Hurricanes player, Hurricanes coach, Hurricanes, you know, f- former president, I guess now. And then obviously all the AFI roles. I don't know where I have the time. And to be honest, I'm just excited to be worn out in two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But you have another another role now because you're coming on to the, the podcast as one of the team members, which is great. And we are delighted to have you. And I mean, we had actually asked you. Yeah. No. And like this, this is it. Thanks for saying yes. And that we'd actually asked you before we realized that you are going to be involved in taking stats for this season as part of your role in the communications office for AFI. So please just chat about that. Um, let teams know uh, how they can contribute and then how those stats are going to be used. Yeah. So um, I think we've got a form up online now on the AmericanFootball.ie website. Go on to Team Pack. And it's the middle one, or the stat reports there, the fourth kind of little, um, what do you call it? I'm fantastic with my words today. <laughs> the little, uh, the fourth drop, little tab. The, the, yeah, the fourth little tab, the little uh, drop menu there. And it's as easy as that. You go into that and it's all, you put in your email, you put in the game you're reporting on, the team you're reporting on, on behalf of, and then you put in, it's uh, all we're looking for this year is touchdown scores, um, obviously, it's a pass touchdown. You throw in your um, the passer and the receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking for interceptions, and then we're looking for kind of any big key moments. So, if say Joe Bloggs made a great fourth and one stop on the goal line, and you won the game because of it, like basically what we're looking to try and do with the, these um, stats is we're looking to start creating stories. We want. You know, we want to let people know how these games go. We don't want just, oh, you know, Minotaurs won 20 to 7. It's we want Minotaurs won 20 to 7. Um, Andrew Patton had a rushing touchdown. 
Joe Kinahan through a pass touchdown to Jack Lynch. Uh, Peter Dempsey had uh, a game-winning interception on the last drive of the game. That's you know that's that's what we're looking to do. And with these partnerships with uh, Off the Ball and uh, Irish American Events Limited, who are running the College Football Classic this year and for the next five years, um, you know they've uh, they've offered to help sort of promote our game. And the more information that we can provide means that they can create better stories and we can create better stories to go out to more people who will in turn hopefully join the sport, volunteer, play, coach, whatever. Yeah. So I, ju- I just think like, and again, we're not looking for, um, you know, how many catches a guy had or, you know, like you see on the NFL broadcast now, like what his top speed was on a go route or whatever, you know, it's, 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 um, it's touchdowns, you know, who scored them, uh, interceptions, turnovers, stuff like that. It's not nothing that sh- that should be too difficult. And again, yeah. filling out that form online, um, w- we've made it in a way so that it should take two, three minutes if you're maybe not the best at typing five minutes. But again, I just feel like w- with, with these stats, it's going to help us promote the game in a way that we've not kind of explored to the fullest as far yeah. as I, or as long as I've been in AFI. So Absolutely. I just think it'll be really good for every, for teams and for the league going forward. So. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And I love this. I love that, especially for the first year that we're looking for simple stats and the things we were chatting about this just before we came into recording was that, um, you don't need to have someone on your sideline taking down stats in order to fulfill this because players themselves are going to remember what they did. You know, if you scored a touchdown, you're not going to forget when the game ends that you scored that touchdown. So it's as simple as in the group chat, the head coach or whoever is going to collect these stats can type up and say, hey guys, who scored today? Who did what today? Do you know what I mean? And that'll help them to fill out to fill out that form so I just think it's brilliant and then I mean we saw something uh, in AFI similar to this I think it was uh, in 2020 I think it was Steve Mack I'm going to credit him anyway was um, contacting teams asking for who scored touchdowns and they put that up onto the, the AFI website and it just friggin exploded so it did like everybody loves it players love hearing about themselves when they've done something class like as they should as they deserve to do you know what I mean so I think that this is brilliant I love that you know you're putting in this type of work to get this done and I think that ourselves the domestic game are going to benefit I think that off the ball is going to benefit I think that uh, Irish American Events Limited is going to benefit but mostly AFI and our players our members coaches teams clubs whatever are going to benefit mostly so um, yeah it's brilliant I'm excited for it yeah, so am I. And again, like you, like you said, like players aren't going to forget what they did. Like, um, especially with in, like turnovers and interceptions, like defenders are going to let you know for the next two years if they had an interception on week one of the, of the season. Like you know, so you're not gonna you're not gonna leave out someone who had a, who had a pick or anything like that because they're they're going to let you know. Like you know, so exactly. uh, again, it's it's just simple stuff. Again, well, my hope anyway is that if and when this takes off and teams see how easy it is, it'll hopefully for next year, for next year get even one or two people more involved in each club for the next year, which hopefully then we'll be able to take take more stats with like hopefully each team having their own stat person. Yeah. So yeah. This is more of a long-term yeah. team. If, team. if teams are hearing this now, they're like, oh, geez, we don't have people for that. It's like, this is not for this year. I'm hoping for next year we can get like, you know, how many catches a guy had, 
how many yards, you know, maybe if we can get that information yeah. in. Yeah. I, I, and I should say, if you, if you have before. people. Exactly. Yeah. And if you have like, I mean, we've done it for um, uh, our games in 2021. And like, if yeah. you do have, if you, if you do have people who collect those stats now, send them in, you know, we will have um, kind of an additional info part of our form. Yeah. And if you have and all this information collected, just send it in and we'll, we'll, um, we'll throw all that out there. Like, you know. Yeah. It, and it was brilliant because um, for us, myself and Rob in covering the Minotaurs, it was so easy to cover you because he had all these stats available and the coverage of your team, you know, the Minotaurs I felt was that bit stronger than the coverage we were able to give to the other teams because we had stats, we had touchdown scores. We even had like defensive players that were after doing like great stuff, whether it was just, um, like batting passes away or even interceptions, pick sixes, whatever. Joe, you were able to provide us with all of that. And I think you didn't even have anyone um, on the sidelines taking them down. I think that was just from video footage that you were able to calculate um, who was doing what and, and to the point where you had like a general estimation of, st- of uh, yardage per player um, after the game. So, I mean, it does... It, it, these things are they're going to take time I think I like where we're starting where I like that we're starting with just touchdown scores interceptions kind of big plays uh, but I'm also excited about where it could go in the future and to a point where we have these stats available for for clubs for so they can be covered in the media so that we can increase the awareness of our sport in Ireland which in turn should benefit clubs in terms of recruiting because the biggest barrier to recruiting people into our sport is making them aware that the sport exists here um and then secondly it's uh also exciting for our our players who might have aspirations to go international uh because they can actually put together a football cv with genuine stats on it that they can you know, put onto their huddle account or put onto whatever account that they're going to use to be seen by international teams. And so I just think that it's uh, it's brilliant. I'm really excited and really excited that you're doing this work and just delighted that, um, that you are doing it. I think everyone should be delighted that you're doing it. Oh, well, I should say it's not just me. <laughs> well. it's, uh, it's mostly me. No, it's not me. It's not mostly me. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've, we've, a, we've a team of a few people who are, who are, um, definitely you know we're, we're all spreading the work out evenly so it's um again like again main thing is that we're all excited to do it we all want to do it it'll, it'll help again as i said it'll help the league and clubs and as actually you made a good point there players in the long run as well you know because there, there are players in i nearly said iafa near <laughs> there are players in <laughs> afi you know, um you know who are actually I think genuinely able to play in Europe. We've seen a few players go over already, like Finn Kearns and Alex Kuzmerich and stuff like that. Pete, Mc, uh, yeah. Pete McMahon as well. Yeah, and like, Tom Donovan. I, I, and yeah, of course, yeah. So like, there's there's loads of players here that are able to go and play in Europe, and you know, European League of Football, you know, get a bit of pay for it. Me as well, and I, I think exactly. they're again, player players are well able here. We just need to, um. You know, we just need to make sure that their names get out there and their plays get out there, their their stats get out there, and hopefully we can um, hopefully we can get a few people paid playing football because uh, as as much as I, I as much as I love it, you're not getting paid here. <laughs> no, no, but yeah, okay, brilliant. Yeah, it all to be honest, it just sounds great, and that's really all I have to say on it. I've no negatives. So just I'm really excited about it and delighted that it's being done and I've no doubt but that teams will be more than happy to participate in it but seeing as you are going to be the guy that is you know the stats 
the stats guy. I know you have loads of stats at home anyway that you're collecting on the leagues. The fourth, the fourth episode that you joined me on, you kind of shocked me because while we were recording and I was asking you about different teams, you're like, oh, hold on here. I'll just open up this wee spreadsheet here. And you had all these stats on different teams and stuff like this. So I kind of came away from it knowing that Joe Kennehan loves spreadsheets and loves taking stats and stuff like that. So um, I'm going to put you under a bit of pressure here and put you kind of in the hot seat. We're going to do a quick fire round. Um, myself and Rob have already talked about who we think are going to win and lose the upcoming fixtures. And so you just you just tell me a winner or loser from, well, even just a winner from, from the following fixtures. Okay, coming up 13th March, UCD and Knights. If we're going quick fire, I'm going to say UCD. Just if I, if I have two seconds to think about it, I think UCD might be a bit stronger team. Okay. Sorry, Knights. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cowboys, Rhinos. Give me the Cowboys on that one. They've just come up. Um, I'd like to say that they can win because it means that if if only that it means that the Minotaurs are also able to beat the Rhinos. <laughs> we, yeah, we didn't get to play them last year, and I'm still salty Rhinos. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think I'll take the Cowboys on that one. Cool. I'm going to stay in uh, Premier One and stay in March, so the 20th of March, with UCD Trojans. Who do you have for that? Oh, you see the Trojans. Oh, I don't know. God. Uh, hmm. God, you've got me. You've got me in a pickle here now. I'm going to say UCD with the upset. They're wow. at home, I think. I think. Yeah, I think they're at home. The Trojans. I, I feel like the UCD had a good um, intervarsities there in was it November. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say UCD. With the, with the yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, then we have the Rebels at Cork. At Cork. Um, at Cork Admirals. That's a tough one. Quick fire, I'm going to say Cork. I'm going to go with Cork. Yeah, but I do been, think it'll be close. Yeah, they've been they've been quiet. They've been very, very quiet. It'll be interesting to see what they do. They're very strong yeah. um, in the last I do say, uh, yeah. So the Admirals, like... I mean, they didn't make it to the bowl in 2020 and everyone was surprised by that. Like, that was a shock. So, like, it's interesting to see what they're going to do coming into coming into 2022. Like, you know, will they be the same team or will the momentum have yeah. really gone out of their sails? Wait. Like, <laughs> I, will, I will say the Rebels have been a lot more active, um, you know, during the non-AFI game kind of two years that we had. You know, they scrimmage with the Trojans and they had a scrimmage with the Crusaders as well. And um, we scrimmage with them there actually recently as well. Yeah, I'm kind of talking myself out of, the, out of Cork now, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, go no, on, no. we'll go with the Rebels then. Go on. Go with the Rebels, go right. There we go. go the Sorry, Cork. We're going with the Rebels. Um, okay. Uh, the real uh, capital. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be cancelled for that now. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, so March 27th, we have the Cowboys at Knights. And that is an interesting one because they came up against each other twice last season. But uh, what way are you feeling about that? Cowboys at Knights. Cowboys at Knights. How did their um, um, their back and forth go? Did the Knights win the two of those or was it split? Knights won the two of them. In Belfast as well. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll take the Knights on that one. Cool. Close cool, though, cool. An- another close one, I think. Okay, so going to Division One then uh, next weekend. Vipers at Trinity. 
Black Panther Trinity. Hmm. I'll, I'll take Trinity, um, only because they were a stronger team in 2019. Um, now again, that's three years. You know, I don't know what they look like now. Don't, uh, Donegal were very good in the Donaghy Cup, but I just think, yeah, I'll take Trinity on that one, and yeah. I'll be proven wrong. <laughs> if, uh, I'd, I'd rather be proven wrong on that one. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, okay, Wexford Eagles at UL Vikings. Um, I again, I, I will give kind of a, a um, teams who've played in twenty twenty one a bit more lenience. So I'll go with the Vikings there. They had those um, intervarsity scrimmages there uh, in November, I think. So I'll go with the Vikings on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's who I had as well. Um, so the 27th of March then Crusaders at Vipers um, I will take I'll take the Vipers there Crusaders have, have some good pieces but I just think the Vipers are yeah I, I just feel like they're a more kind of balanced team um, obviously we all love Pod in Pod we yeah. trust <laughs> um, yeah I'll take yeah. the Vipers on that one yeah. In pod we trust, in pod we trust. Okay, and then final one coming from Division 1, the UL Vikings at Trinity College. Um, at Trinity, yeah, I'll go with Trinity there again. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Trinity. I just feel like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it feels, again, another close one, I think. Um, UL will have that kind of coaching experience from Premier Division, but I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like Trinity will carry over a bit more from yeah. what they did in 2019. Yeah, and I think that Trinity, Trinity Yeah, and Trinity is in the healthiest position that it's been in probably since its glory days of having, you know, the likes of Rob McDowell and Brian O'Driscoll and um, mm. all those ones, Dan Finnemore, um, there on the team back when they were making bowl appearances. I think this is the healthiest that they've been. So, yeah, excited for what they're going to do coming into this season. Um, so you have Trinity for that one. Um, then moving down, these are the last few ones and then you're off the hook. Um, the DB2, uh, Mavericks at Bulldogs. Actually, Mavericks I don't think that Bulldogs. one's. Yeah, I don't think that one's even going to go ahead now because the Bulldogs sure are non, are are not really going to be participating this year. So, I mean, so I'll take the Mavericks there then. <laughs> yeah, that one. I think the Bulldogs. Um, they have they've kind of joined with the Pirates. A good few of their players are happy enough to head over there. So, um, yeah. that's probably what's going to be happening. Shame to lose the Bulldogs uh, for a season, but they're looking at it as a as a rebuild year. So hopefully we see them back again next season. Uh, Jets at Razorbacks. I will take the Jets there. Um, were they were in the final of the Donahue Cup? They were. Yeah, yeah, I'll take the Jets. I'll take the Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Am I wrong in saying that the Jets? Uh, now I'm gonna I'm gonna make a few people angry here because I can't remember. Was it the Jets or the Giants who had that uh, Taylor Heineke diving touchdown from their quarterback? Is it either the Jets or the Giants now? QB rolled left, kind of hung in the pocket, rolled left, and did that massive, like, kind of dive, barely hitting the pylon type touchdown. And it basically mirrored that uh, Heineke touchdown against the Bucks, like, in the playoffs two years ago or whatever, whenever it was. And we shared it, and uh, Heineke reposted it. Oh, wow. So they got a bit of love from that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can't remember now whether it was uh, the Jets or the Giants. I feel like it was the Jets. And look, if it was the Giants, you can... Um, you can at me. You can uh, shout out my uh, inst- Instagram is uh, at Robbie Caldwell. So uh, if you feel like you need to send hate mail, um, you know, send it my way. 
I'm, I'm fully able to, to <laughs> I'll take full responsibility for anything I say. You're going to have to have like an, uh, like an addition to the intro. So it's like, oh, this podcast is not reviewed, uh, you know, portray the views of AFI. And uh, Joe Kinahan's views cannot portray the, <laughs> the views of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, an I'll just, I'll just, I'm like next episode, I'm just going to come out swinging. Who wants a shot? <laughs> you should, like you should, but you probably, yeah. just so as you are aware, like just make sure you treat your own line very well. You know, maybe get the mistake dinner in the next week or so because you probably are going to be a target like on game day for other teams yeah. if you're doing something like a podcast where you're analyzing your competitors and stuff like that. So just, you know, be good to the O line. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll apply for funding just so I can buy everyone's steak dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That might, uh, might, need to, might need to be done. Not going to lie. Ah, look, be grand. I don't like think um, safety fund. <laughs> be health and safety fund. <laughs> yeah, personal protection fund. <laughs> Just walking around with five bodyguards. Said it there. Cool, cool. And then the final fixture then is Pirates at Giants. Oh God, that's kind of a flip of the coin for me because the Pirates will have those extra few pieces from the Bulldogs. Um, you know what? Just because I feel like they have nicer uniforms, I'm gonna go with the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only way that's the only way I can truly decide yeah, I'm going to go Giants there so going with it you know what American football at the start of any season is always a bit of guessing on who's going to who's going to like match up against who well and who isn't and stuff like that it's easier to do predictions when it comes to like week three week four but uh, that's it yeah. um, right you're off the hook and um, we'll leave it there thank you so much Joe and sure looking forward to the next episode which you will be now an integral part of the team yeah you're stuck with me now lads so get used to it (laughs) thanks a million guys and great that's all from Joe for this week so I think that wraps up our episode Um, Rob do you want to take it away we're your hosts Kelly Dwyer and Robbie Caldwell Peace.